Hey, good morning. So I always know when uh, Bill Walenda is going to do announcements that he's going to make fun of the short links on our website. And I'm the guy that creates them. So we have been looking at the... Uh, looking at the controversial and offensive things that Jesus said in the first century, not always offensive but uh, to us, or not always offensive in the first century, but could seem that way to us in the 21st century. And this morning, we're going to transition a little bit for the remaining part of our summer series, and we're going to look at some of the, the things that Jesus said, not just the things that Jesus did, but the things that Jesus said. Some of them could be seen as odd or controversial, and uh, we're going to look at those in just a minute. Often when Jesus spoke about the kingdom of heaven or about the kingdom of God, he would use parables. And so we're going to focus on some of those parables that when Jesus walked on the earth, he sent his disciples out and he told them to tell the crowd that, that the kingdom of heaven is near or the kingdom of heaven is here, or the kingdom of God is here. And this is one of my favorite messages. One of my favorite things to talk about is this idea of the kingdom of God. I've talked about it with you often and it's kind of a theme for me. Uh, I remember reading a book in the year 2000. It was called A New Kind of Christian. It was by a guy named Brian McLaren. And that book is where I began to first be introduced to this idea of what the kingdom looks like and what the kingdom of heaven or the kingdom of God looks like. And I would say that that changed the way I do things. It changed the way I think about church. It changed, it changed my worldview in a lot of ways. It changed my ministry. And... Uh, uh, one of the things I discovered is that it, it was really was a theme of Jesus, that he spoke about the kingdom of heaven or the kingdom of God. The Gospels record about 125 times he said those things. He talked about kingdom. And kingdom language doesn't always resonate with us. It kind of is hard for us necessarily to understand kingdom language because we don't live in a kingdom, right? It was a first century kind of idea. Uh, Brian McLaren, in another book called The Secret Message of Jesus, he said instead of kingdom language, the one that connected most with me is he said instead of thinking of, it, thinking of what Jesus said as the kingdom of heaven or the kingdom of God, imagine the dream of God, the, the God's dream for humanity, God's dream for you, that God's dream is another way for us to understand what uh, Jesus is talking about when he talks about the kingdom of God or the kingdom of heaven. It's kind of like the way a parent has dreams for his or her children, right? That God has a dream for you and that God has a dream for me and that God has a dream for all of creation. That when God created our world, God wasn't dreaming about prisons. And when God created our world, he wasn't dreaming about kidnappings or wars or child abuse or racism or greed or poverty or exploitation. That's not part of the kingdom. That's not part of God's dream for us. That really is the nightmare of God. That when we have broken relationships, when we bring harm to others, when we bring harm to ourselves, we are living the nightmare. We're not living the dream. That God never dreamed of the world that we're currently living in. That when we hear about shootings, that now it seems that once a week isn't enough. That now it seems that we have to have two in a weekend. It fills each of us with questions. Wondering when is enough enough. And the heartache 
and the trauma is a reminder that this is not the world that God dreams of. That it's not right. That it's not normal. That hurt and hate and fear are not God's dream. That brokenness and damage, and sometimes it even seems like it's beyond repair. But that is not the kingdom. God has a dream for you and for me. He has a dream for the community, the church. And God has a dream for the whole world where the kingdom of God and the kingdom of heaven become part of earth. I talked a few months ago about the idea that in the incarnation, a piece of heaven came down to earth, right? We believe that Jesus is God and that Jesus came down to earth. So a piece of heaven came to earth. The kingdom of God is here. And then we also believe in the ascension that after Jesus's uh, death and resurrection that he then went up to heaven. And so we believe that Jesus is fully human, that he was God and human. You know, I have a pause there just for a second. I have a, I dropped the H off the words at the beginning. And so I try my hardest not to say the word human because I know that I don't say it right. I don't hear it that way, but I know you all do. Human. Is that better? I also don't ever say the word when something's really big. I never say it's huge. Because I've been made fun of for so many years. Yeah, that's not God's dream. But we believe that Jesus was human, or however you say that word. And in God's humanity, another word I don't say, that we believe that a piece of earth went to heaven. The kingdom of heaven is near. And so in those ideas, we believe that when the church is present, wherever the church is gathered, that heaven and earth are colliding and we're commingling together so we are living out the final chapter of the Bible. In Revelation, it tells us that one day, all will be one again. And God's dream for all of us, for all of humanity, for all of earth, for all of heaven, will be fulfilled. And that is the good news. That's kingdom language. And that's God's dream. So we're going to look at a story that Jesus talks about kingdom and the kingdom of heaven or the kingdom of God. And we're actually, I think we're doing that over the next several weeks. It's always about the kingdom. Uh, but I want to share with you this one story and want to just focus on one sentence in this one story. So it's up on the screen. It says this. His disciples came and they asked him a question. Why do you, why do you use parables when you talk to the people? Great question. Why does Jesus tell stories so often? And I used to say, well, you know, stories are memorable. And that's a good reason. And that would be a good reason, but there's more than just a memorable story in the reason Jesus tells parables. And he tells the disciples why. In verse 11, he says, you, talking to the disciples, you are permitted to understand the secrets of the kingdom of heaven, but others are not. That's a little odd. We're going to come back to that. 
To those who listen to my teaching, more understanding will be given, and they will have an abundance of knowledge. But for those who are not listening, even what little understanding they have will be taken away from them. That is why I use these parables. For they look, but they don't really see. They hear, but they don't really listen or understand. So Jesus says, you are permitted to understand the secrets of the kingdom of heaven member of our team kept saying that they were struggling with the idea of Christianity being a secret. They didn't like that word that Jesus is talking about the secrets of the kingdom of heaven, like Jesus has secret plans, that Jesus keeps things secrets from, keeps secrets from other people. And some of the other well-meaning people in the group shared that this is a great example of a translation issue, that the word secrets there is better translated mystery. To which that person in the group said, I don't like the idea that something is mysterious that should be available to everybody. How would God make something mysterious? It should be clear. It should be crystal clear. To where then it became a cultural and translation issue. See, secrets, better translated mysteries but not the way we define mystery in the 21st century. See, we define mystery, that word mystery, as something that's dark, difficult, and impossible to understand. So when we hear the word mystery, we think stranger things. Anybody watch that? Yeah. All right, good. Just want to make sure I'm the only one, all right? So when we hear mystery, we think mind flare, right? (laughs) When we hear mystery, we think uh, the demodogs. Right? right? Aren't they demodogs? Right? That's what we think when we hear mystery, right? Every, you, you, those of you watching, you're on board with me, right? Yeah. All right. There's three seasons. It's on Netflix. If you haven't watched it, you should watch it. Seasons one and three are really good, too. Eh. Uh, that's my feeling anyway. All right. So, so when we hear mystery, we think dark, we think difficult, we think something that's impossible to understand. And so when we hear about you are permitted to understand the mysteries of the kingdom of God, we think that there's this idea that there's something dark and mysterious in the background, that there, there's something that's impossible for us to know. But in the first century, the idea of mystery was not that. It was not stranger things. It was something that was unintelligible to the outsider, but would be crystal clear to the, someone who was inside. So now, we, again, it makes a little nervous. Now we're talking, is there insider knowledge and outsider knowledge? I don't think that's it either. There's more to this idea of mystery here. That the kingdom of God is a mystery, but not dark and not difficult and not impossible. It's something that is meaningless to people until it becomes meaningful, until it becomes filled with meaning. In other words, the idea of the kingdom, I think Jesus is saying, is beyond our imaginations until we begin to understand it. And then it becomes too good to be true. It becomes this Mystery beyond our imaginations. You're permitted, he says, to understand the mysteries of the kingdom. In other words, you have begun to see how something that someone else would see as meaningless is becoming filled with meaning or meaningful. So some examples of God's dream for us that have meaning is last week. Last week I was in Voorhees 
And, uh, you know, it's one of the things about when I go back to Voorhees and visit those folks, I miss them so much, so it's nice to see everybody, and they treat me so well. It's like I'm the guest preacher in town. And they're like, oh, it's so good to see you. That was a wonderful, not that you don't tell me those things too, but, you know, it's kind of nice, right, to be welcome that way. Uh, but the whole time I'm there, I don't tell them this. The whole time I'm there, I'm wondering, how's everybody doing in Mount Laurel? So I see the clock, and I'll go, oh, it's 11.10, so this is happening, and this is happening. I start to, and I begin going through what's going on here, because I miss you folks when I'm there. But while I was there, we celebrated communion together here in this place and in Voorhees. Here's a mystery that has no meaning to some, may even seem odd, but can be filled with meaning. You folks took a piece of bread, and you dipped it into juice, and then you ate it, meaningless, until it becomes something filled with meaning. You've all been part of, or you have uh, participated in a, a baptism, possibly. We take water and put it on someone's head, or take someone and dunk them underwater and bring them back up. To the uninitiated, it seems meaningless. It's just water. But yet it's filled with meaning. It's a mystery that's too good to be true. Prayer time or worship could be meaningless, but it can become meaning-filled. Your first small group community experience. Why would people... Spend an evening once a week hanging out with people that they're not related to. But yet there's meaning to it. So something that was meaningless becomes meaning-filled. Words like grace, forgiveness, care, love, all can begin meaningless, but can become filled with meaning. So Jesus talks about the kingdom of God or God's dream, if that's a better way for us to understand it. Or faith in Jesus might be another way that you would prefer to understand it. Whatever you call it, it's a mystery that can only be understood from the inside. Something that's unintelligible to the outsider, but crystal clear to the initiated. Something that's meaningless that becomes meaning-filled. Listen to some of these mysteries of the kingdom of God. I've made a list of them. And are they filled with meaning for you? You know what the way up is? Down. The way in is out. The way to be first is to be last. The way of success is to serve. The way to gain is to give up. The way of strength is weakness. God's power is made perfect where? In my weakness. The way of security is to be vulnerable. The way of life is the way of death and even death to yourself. You want to get the most in life? Go to where the least are found. You want to be free? Give complete control over to God. You want to become great? You need to become least. You want to discover yourself? You need to forget yourself. You want to get even with your enemies? Bless, love, and forgive them. It's opposing worldviews. See, God's dream is opposite. God's dream is contrary to the nightmare we often are living. 
It's how do we live right in a world that's gone wrong? The mystery of God, the kingdom of heaven, the dream of God, it's the world that says, mind, uh, the world says, mind your own business. Jesus says, there's no such thing as my own business. The world says, follow the wisest course of action and you will be successful. Jesus says, take up your cross and follow me. The world says, live safely because the life you save may be your very own. Jesus says, whoever would save his life will lose it. And whoever loses his life for my sake will find it. The world says, it's all about law and order. Jesus says, it's all about love. The world says, get, get, and get. Jesus says, give, give, and give. Len Sweet said, it's hard not to talk about Jesus talk without sounding like a fool or a complete idiot. It's a mystery. The dream of God is this mystery that is, seems meaningless but can be filled with meaning. It's beyond our imaginations. See, God's dream is too good to be true. It's something that's meaningless until it becomes filled with meaning. So, for instance, some other examples. People who were not people that you would put in these positions, yet Jesus or God chose to do that. Moses was a stutterer. Abraham was old, too old. Jacob was a liar. David was too young, and as a young boy, his ego was bigger than his armor. And as a man, David became the adulterous king. Solomon was too rich. Naomi was a widow. Hosea married a prostitute. Timothy had stomach ulcers. Lazarus was dead. <laughs> Paul saw visions and Jesus heard voices. Jonah ran. Gideon and Thomas both doubted. Jeremiah was depressed, suicidal, and always crying. Elijah was burned out and liked to run around naked. John the Baptist was a loudmouth who lived on locusts. Martha was a worrywart and was subject to anxiety attacks while her sister Mary was lazy. Samson was short on self-control and he was a womanizer. And Noah got really, really drunk. The kingdom of God is highly illogical when compared to our 21st century worldview. It doesn't make sense. The kingdom of God is paradoxical. It's meaningless until it becomes meaning-filled. God's dream can be volatile, playful, and even dangerous. The world of faith or the church is freakish and even unpredictable. And I believe that's the reason for these parables. That Jesus was doing more than offering some entertaining and memorable sound bites. He was doing more than telling a really good story. He was introducing a different worldview. He was offering a different way to do life. A contrary opinion. A reoriented life. That he was saying that the dream can come true. That it may seem too good to be true. But you can be awakened from your nightmare. I have, um, I, I've never shared this with, with a group of any size, that uh, in 2015-ish, uh, I broke my back in a hole in Cuba. And uh, 
uh, spent six months in a, in a back brace and recovering from that. And it was kind of a near-death experience in, in a way for me, in a lot of ways. And uh, the reason I know that I still have some PTSD from that is that I have dreams about falling now, nightmares. Uh, I never had them before. I've never been afraid of heights or any of those things. But now when I watch TV, uh, I was just watching Black Panther last night. Sorry, uh, I watch movies over and over and over again. And so when we are we got nothing else to do, Kelly says, well, I'm watching something on Netflix. And Black Panther's on Netflix. And I get anxious when they're having that fight on the edge of the waterfall. I've seen the movie a thousand times. I know he's not going off the edge, but last night I verbalized with my wife sitting there. Will he just step away? Just step away from the edge. And so sure enough, either because of watching that movie or just not sleeping well, I had... Um, I woke up because I thought I'd fallen down a flight of stairs, and I kept falling and falling and falling and falling. And I had these dreams about that. For some of us, we're living these nightmares. And it seems like it's never-ending, falling, 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 falling. And I think Jesus tells these parables to let us know that there's another way to live that dreams do come true, that what can seem too good to be true is true indeed. See, Jesus did not intend to make us good churchgoers, but to offer a whole new way to live, and that we can live the kingdom of God or God's dream, that we can learn how to live right in a broken world. It's a contrary view from our 21st century world I mean, just what good shepherd would risk survival of 99 safe sheep to find the one sheep that's lost? If I'm a shepherd and I've got a 99% success rate, I'm pretty happy. But not God. Not in the stories that Jesus tells. In the story that Jesus tells... The shepherd leaves 99 to go find one. Why would he tell that story? Maybe because grace is active. Maybe because grace searches. Maybe because grace goes to find. Maybe because Jesus is irrational and illogical when it comes to us. Maybe it's about the church of God, that God's dream community is irrational and illogical. Maybe it's about God sending a message to the church that you should go have an outpost in Mount Laurel. And you should leave your fun, happy, safe building in Voorhees and come to a portable space and set up every week so that you can say the church is going out to the community. See, but the bottom line doesn't always add up in God's dream. What father would out-prodigal his own prodigal son by lavishly giving all that I have to his kids to celebrate one son's return home? Maybe to make people think God gives lavishly no matter where you've been, no matter what you've done. Maybe to let us know that no one is too far from God. That no matter what nightmare someone may be living, they can still come back and be part of God's dream. 
What employer would pay last-minute workers the same wage as those who had worked hard the full day? Can I tell you, this was the parable that I had the hardest time with as a 20-something. I remember I was going to college, and I was a Christian, and I, was, I knew I was going to be a pastor, and my problem was this parable because I was convinced that, is God really that fair? I would prefer he be less fair. But the kingdom of God, the dream of God is for every person and it is really free and it can't be earned and it isn't fair. If you're looking for fair, you've got to stop looking in the Bible because you can't find fair. Jesus gives everyone the same pay. If you work one hour or eight hours, we all get eternity. Seems like we should, anyway. What bank would reward investors who risk their clients' money in the futures market while chastising those, who investor, chastising those investors who played it safe, took no risk, but protected the money entrusted to them? Maybe it's a challenge to us to move, to be motivated, and to invest in the kingdom, even when it might seem like there's a better idea to play it safe. Maybe it's to challenge us to own the moment that God put you and I here in this place at this time for this reason, to share God's dream and God's dream community. Or what about these? These are parables that, that were miracles, but Jesus actually spoke, spoke a, a, a story into them as well. What guest would wait until the end of a party to surprise the host with 180 gallons of the finest wine they would ever taste? And what teacher would save the day by feeding 5,000 listeners only to make 12 extra full baskets? It's not enough just to feed 5,000. Let's make leftovers too. Maybe it's to stimulate our imaginations. Maybe it's to imagine that God can do something with ordinary and every day and make it the best tasting ever and leave us with extra, back, extra baskets to take home. The kingdom of God is beyond our imaginations, and it can seem crazy to some. It can seem illogical to others, and it can take a lifetime, a lifetime in eternity to fully understand because it's subversive, it's a mystery, it's meaningless until it becomes meaning-filled. It's too good to be true, and it's true too true to be believed. And if people are going to get it, Often, going head-on is not the way to approach God's kingdom because it needs to be seen and heard and witnessed and experienced. That the kingdom of God, God's dream for you and for me, requires a different way for us to live. To live God's dream for the church and for the world. That the kingdom of God is not about being here, excuse me, is about being here and about being near. Uh, so when, if, if you've ever been in a circumstance where you have either been sick, you've been in a hospital, you've, or you've, uh, uh, you've really had a, a traumatic circumstance and a friend has been there, and what do we say in response? We always say, hey man, thanks for being here here. Thanks for being there, right? That's our response. We're just glad that someone was there. That's the greatest compliment you can receive, right? I hear that. People will say, hey, thanks, Pastor Rick, for being there. 
thanks for showing up. Thanks for being there. The kingdom of God is about being there. The church, us, we get to proclaim that we're willing to be there. That's what we said when we came to Mount Laurel. We said, hey, we're willing to be here. We're willing to take something that seems meaningless, like being in a church or being part of a church community or believing in Jesus, and we're willing to demonstrate that that could be meaning-filled. It's why I, and because of that book I read back in 2000, it's why I am fully engaged and committed to things like National Night Out, parking lot duty. Can I tell you, I do not, let me just say up front, I do not want to do parking lot duty. All right? But I'm going to be there on Tuesday night. This is a terrible way to sell this, what I'm doing right now. <laughs> but let me tell you the motivation for that. Is that I told you two, year, three, two, two or three years ago when we came here and I met with some folks from the township and I said, what can we do to help you? And they said, oh, sure, you can put a box out front. I said, no, we don't want donations. We're not trying to collect diapers or, or anything like that. We just want to help you. And the gentleman said, no one's, a church has never asked us that before. And I went, well, we're going to ask that a lot then, right? If you've never been asked that before, we're going to ask that a lot. And so I started asking all the time, and I stop in there every once in a while and say, how can we help? What can we do? What are you doing that we can help you to do those things? And they said, uh, we're going to do National Night Out, and we need parking lots so that the police officers can work the event, and we don't have the police officers directing traffic. And I'm like, what else could we do? <laughs> anything else? Really, anything? Anything? So I tell you that, uh, that I'm committed to doing that, and uh, some of you already signed up, but uh, if you can sign up to help out with that, uh, it would be great. It's uh, meethope.org forward slash night out. Uh, it's memorable, isn't it, Bill? Uh, so... <laughs> Uh, but here's what happened. So, uh, so recently, and, and I just tell you this because I want to get to the connection, is that uh, I, I am now a volunteer chaplain for the Mount Laurel Police Department. Uh, uh, I happened to go through some uh, training to do that and uh, found out that Mount Laurel needed some chaplains, and so I volunteered to be a chaplain for the Mount Laurel Police Department. So I had to be sworn in, which is kind of a cool thing, right? Uh, except that here's the, here's the disappointing part of that, is that I was sworn in the same time as the officers who were new, and they're like children, and I look like grandpa, all right, and so I show up, and these young, healthy-looking men do their swearing in, and then here comes decrepit old Rick, <laughs> man, that was, it was quite, it was quite sad, to, you know, I'm like, good grief, uh, anyway, uh, but here's what happened, all right, while I was doing that, at the swearing in, there was a dozen or so officers there, and some family people, it was just a really quick two-minute ceremony, uh, uh, the, the, the chief said, this is Pastor Rick, his church helps with parking at National Night Out. Yeah, you guys. Uh, it makes a difference. It's demonstrating that God's dream is real and can be real. And the nightmares that we live in our small nightmares, big nightmares, some are some just scary, scary circumstances. 
The kingdom of God is real. And it is invading planet Earth. And God's dream community of the church can make a difference in this community. We are living it. Our little outpost of faith is communicating that the kingdom of God is near and here, and it is serving and connecting with the community living outside these walls. What seems meaningless will become meaning-filled and beyond our imaginations. I want to talk about Chick-fil-A too, but I don't have time for that, but I need you to sign up for that one. Meetup.org forward slash cow. Don't miss it. Uh, uh, for, the, for all those same reasons, but I'm over time, I just wanted, I want you guys to know that what is meaningless can become meaning-filled. That's God's dream for you, for me, for the church, for the world. That the kingdom of God is here and it is near. And as we look at these parables moving forward, we're going to see that that theme runs throughout. Because it was the theme of Jesus that heaven came down to earth. So that earth could get closer to heaven. And in Revelation, they could be together as one. That the dream that God put into existence in Genesis will become real and true for us. God's dream community, that Jesus would love you and me enough that God would come down. Something that seems meaningless to people can be meaning-filled. Will you stand with me for closing prayer? And so, God, I thank you for this time. I thank you, God, for the men and women in this space. I thank you for this community of faith that we call hope. And, God, I thank you for the impact that you have granted us the privilege of having, of making a difference in our community. And God, I pray that you would continue to work in and through our lives. That you have offered us and you have shown us the mysteries of the kingdom of God. What is too good to be true. And God, we go out into our world, our nightmarish world. And God, I pray that we would be men and women filled with faith, impacting our homes, impacting our communities, impacting our workplaces. God, that we would be ushering in the kingdom of God and the kingdom of heaven, that your dream would come true for us and for our communities and for our world. And God, I thank you for these things and pray them all in Christ's name. And now as you go, I pray that you would go knowing that there's a God that loves you with his whole heart. May you go knowing that that God who loves you, loves you no matter where you've been, no matter what you've done. That he loves you enough that he chose to leave his throne in heaven so that he can reign in your heart and in your life forever. And may you go knowing that the men and women that you see, that the men and women that you interact with and converse with at work and at home and at the Wawa, at the shop, right, are loved by that same God and they desperately need to know that kind of love. Amen. Have a great day.